welcome to another edition of Fire in the Mountains. Ricky Wittenberg, Justin Edgel, Andy Waddell, along with you tonight. And we will go over episodes 22, 23, and 24 of Smoky Mountain TV. And guys, it's been a few weeks. Andy Waddell, how's it going? Going pretty good. Excited about this show. We got some good wrestling coming up. Ready to get started. All right. Justin Edgel, how you been doing? Doing well as as always, and uh, I'm looking forward to reviewing this show. There's a lot of uh, good commentary on this, good interviews. Uh, in Cumberland, Kentucky, is kind of a little bit closer to home, I guess. Yeah, sort of. Sort. It's at least closer to your neck of the woods than ours, but a little bit. I think it's in the backwoods of Kentucky. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Because they definitely still, it's still, it still is back back in the woods, but it's still. You know, a little closer. Yeah, they were they were it's definitely a, stomping on it during the show. It's so far back in there they have to pop in sunshine. That's that's a ways back. All right, so we are in Cumberland, Kentucky for these three episodes, the three episode set. And um, first, right off of the bat, we go to the desk with uh, Bob Cottle and Dutch. As always, they're talking about the brawl because opening up twenty two. We don't actually get the intro music like normal. They're showing a brawl that had occurred between the Fantastics and the Bodies. And they just show you a little clip of it because they're going to show you more of it later in the episode, which is pretty cool. And uh, Brian Lee's going to be here. Dutch, of course, rolls his eyes because he hates Brian Lee. Tells the fans to shut up. I do, too. He asked Bob Cottle if he's done so he can talk, which Bob said, yeah, the floor is yours. The main event, prime time against Buddy Landell in this first episode. Um, Dutch invites some audience members to come down there so he can slap them around. It's just these gestures towards towards the audience. And during this, we're in the ring getting ready for the first match. And Joe Kazana, one of our favorites in the ring, and him and Mark Curtis are jawing back and forth, which that's one of those little subtle things that you're, you're – it, the Cameras panned out, so you're not really focusing on that, but they're doing it for the live audience, and Mark Curtis looks like he's going to slap Joe Kazana around. And as many losses as poor Kazana's had on TV, it's, uh, that's possible at this point. So um, his the first match, though, Kazana, against uh, our favorite, uh, Mr. Sparkles, Dixie Dynamite. And... Uh, hey. He really needs to stop doing that shit. I, I know I say this every freaking time. It's so freaking cheesy. I know. It's but horrible. Put yourself back in 1992. It's not as bad as it but he, looks now. But he has like one little sparkler. I don't know. All right. I'll stop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he needed to come out and be like throwing M80s up in the air and let them, you know. That would be way better than this crap. <laughs> Smoky Mountain would have lasted all of um, three or four months because they'd have blown some small child up in the third row. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But he would have lived in infamy. And I've got a question. Is is that Armstrong singing his own interest scene? Okay. Believe believe it is. I thought so, but I wanted to make sure. I I don't think anybody else could have that exact same accent as him. So I believe he is singing his own entrance music. And the the match. it's it make, typical. It makes it even worse. I Jeez. mean, it's a typical Southern wrestling match. Actually, let's let's just be honest. Over these three episodes, we're kind of light on wrestling. There's more angles 
But this was one of the better yeah. matches, which is, I mean, I'm not saying it was great, but it was one of the better matches we saw over the all three episodes. And uh, mostly the Dutch Mantel would like to talk about the, the riots that were going on in Los Angeles at the time, which. That- it was just, there, there's a, he had a lot of nuts talking about that. I, I You know, I, I put this into my notes, obviously, but it, it's crazy to think. Even back then, I mean, I, I know what was going on in, like, I guess it was 1992. But I know it's the South, but damn. <laughs> well, I mean. That, 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 that's, pre- that's pretty crazy to talk about that stuff. It is in a way, but you got to think, too. In 1992, they're on, I don't know how many markets. It's mostly regional Tennessee, some in Kentucky. Probably you're catching a little bit of North western North Carolina and West Virginia. I don't they think they could did. foresee the thing that we call YouTube and being well, able to yeah, I know. just snatch any of this right out of thin air 20 years later. Well, it, it's, just, it's just weird to think about now, you know, I don't know, 24, almost 25 years ago now yeah. that it's funny. It's funny to me that you can get away with that crap. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, I and I remember when the riots were going on. I mean, that was definitely a a hot topic across america and uh, absolutely we've had the confederate flag thing here in the south come back up in the last year or so and that's died down for now but um our our boy dixie dynamite still he was he was representing uh representing the rebel flag so 1992 that's cool or 93 whenever we're in 90 what are we in 92 yeah we're in 92 so 92 anyway nothing much in this match um Dixie Dynamite wins with the uh, Confederate kick, and of course the crowd did not chant Confederate kick. They they still won't chant it. I mean, that's kind of a weird thing to try to have a, the fans chant. I mean, it's too many syllables, dude. I mean, come on, you're in Kentucky. Kick, yeah. I mean, just say <laughs> kick his eyes, kick his eye. That might be easier, but I. You're my sister. You're my. Oh wait a minute, wrong wrong show. Sorry. Uh. That's well. I'm sure there was plenty of that going on in Cumberland, Kentucky, in 1992. Um. Anyway, out of this first match, there's there's not much to say about it. It actually was a decent match, though. So we have an interview with Primetime Brian Lee, and uh, he he's admitted now that he can't handle two men at one time. <laughs> uh, but Killer Kyle can. But uh, Killer Kyle can. Ha- yeah, we'll talk about him later. Uh, but he's recruited some help, and uh, Justin's not quite as excited about the help as I am. But let's talk to let's let the help talk to us right now. That's right. Everybody knows what this is. This what made me a famous man in professional wrestling. My right hand, along with the rest of my ability and my intestinal fortitude. And now I hear that Paul Orndorff and the Dirty White Boy think they're tough and bad. Bad and tough, whatever you want. Well, I'm going to tell you, boys, I'm a Smoky Mountain boy myself because a few years back, I lived in the Smoky Mountain area and I ruled the area. And now I hear that you guys want to be king of the hill. Well, I hear what you've done to Brian Lee. And Brian Lee has called me and asked me to come and help. 
Well, I'll be glad to come and help. I just turned 41 years old. I'm like a George Foreman. I'm in the better shape of my life. And there's nothing more I like George Foreman to come much and rule that area again. And I'm going to tell you, dirty white boy, you better start shaking in your boots. Because when this right hand here hits you, you're going to think the end came down on you and Paul Ordorf, you think you're the king of the pile driver? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. I used the pile driver boy before you even thought about wrestling. So my friend, get that head ready. If I were you, I'd wear a high hard hat and if I were you, I'd wear a face mask to protect that nose of yours because I'm going to do some business on you guys. And don't forget the Garvin Stomp. I was the one-man gang at one time, and I'm the hands of stone. So you boys think you've done something in wrestling? <laughs> you haven't done anything like Ronnie Garvin's fixing to do. Jeez, Brian. Okay, so I, I know Ronnie Garvin has a little bit of a – he's not the best interview in the world, and he is standing in his very dated living room, and I'm not he quite sure he's it, wearing clothes. In my opinion. What? What, what, was what? He, what was he holding? His, his uh, toothbrush? Uh, no, he's that's the. It looked like he was a, holding a toothbrush. It's a microphone. As, as in a microphone, or it looked like a toothbrush. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the mo- one man gang was Akeem with uh, the big boss man, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. But Ronnie Garvin was the original one man gang. Oh, okay. That was well, his nickname. So, Ronnie Garvin is royalty uh, in the southeast. The guy, my my dad told me stories. And he saw Ronnie Garvin slam Andre the Giant. So back before anybody could slam Andre, I don't know what the deal was with Ronnie and Andre, but Andre was good friends with Ronnie Garvin. And Garvin just beat the bejesus out of Andre several times around the loop in uh, this area. So uh, Garvin is a tough dude, and he fits right into the tough guy image of Smoky Mountain, even though he's not the greatest interview it. It's kind of funny watching some of these guys that do struggle a little bit. But you know what? They're not scripted, and I like that. They kind sure. of just give him a give him a guideline to go by. He's not reading a damn script. I like that. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, yeah, and the only thing the only thing I'll say is the very first time I saw Ronnie Garvin was in WrestleMania five, and he he was in his pretty much a squash match. It, I forget who it was against. It might have been Dino Bravo. Hmm. At the very end of the match, he he was uh, stomping on a Frenchie Martin. Yeah, I don't know if it you probably remember was. Who, who, who I'm talking. He had about. a really really good match with Greg Valentine. Um, I think that was at the Royal Rumble that year, though, where they were battling it, over it was, the figure four. Okay, but this is this is WrestleMania. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, anyway, and Garvin, and it, he, he he seemed like it was like a. Just because Mac in WrestleMania five, and that's the only thing I've ever remember him by. So yeah, that could be why I have that attitude I th- against. I him. think your attitude will be much improved for Ronnie Garvin as time goes on, uh, as opposed to primetime Bradley. Well, <laughs> of course, at this point, your attitude towards Adolf Hitler may may or may not be <laughs> right. Exactly. Than your attitude towards Bradley. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, Ronnie Garvin coming in at Summer Blast. That's the big, uh, Brian Lee's big news, basically, that he's recruited Ronnie Garvin to uh, be in a tag team with him at Summer Blast against Paul Orndorff and uh, the Dirty White Boy. Now, if you just look at this, Brian Lee has just won the title 
at the Volunteer Slam. And he's not a very strong champion. So it's kind of weird that their brand-new world champion that won the belt on a disqualification is having to recruit help to fight in a tag team match at the Summer Blast instead of defending the title anyway. If if they were trying to make Lee look more like a, a punk, they they couldn't, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I like Ronnie Garvin coming in, and I don't mind the tag team match because it'll hide some of Brian Lee's inadequacies. But it's just weird to have your champion in your the second big card of your promotion not even defending the title. So, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I'm not quite sure if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. But it, it is what it is. So, I was trying not to say anything negative about primetime. Well, no, I mean... How can you not? Uh, I, I'm honestly thinking by this point, Cornette's figured out, you know, that, hey, this is not the guy to carry the torch. We've got to do something, something off the wall because he, he's not ready. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's cool to have Garvin give him a rub, that's for sure. Um, So we go to the desk, and Ron Wright, this is cool, I like this. Ron Wright is upset that Ronnie Garvin's coming in, and the Dirty White Boy and Paul Orndorff are both playing it off like it's not a big deal. Orndorff said that he saw Garvin running down the road, and he weighs about 250, and he's got gray hair, and uh, he's going to have a heart attack. He said that Garvin used the pile driver way back in 1948. So, it you know it's it's a good dynamic that the Dirty White Boy and Paul Orndorff are just trying to shrug this off. But Ron Wright has been around long enough in this territory in the area to know that Ronnie Garvin's a bad dude. I really like that dynamic. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a really it. He plays he's he definitely plays it off to where he's. Uh, really concerned you know he started reaching for his heart pills and stuff like that yeah he, he looks like he's gonna stroke out at any second yeah i know it, it's great i mean he, he pulls it off great it, it they it, those three those three they continue to be i guess more so of dirty white boy and and orndorff they they continue to be the two best heels and they got the heel manager now and it, it it's amazing yeah, I mean, they, they pull it off great. The uh, character work is really good. That's for sure. Uh, so we get off of that, and they uh, they walk off. Dutch says Brian Lee is looking for somebody to take part of that beating that he's about to get. <laughs> and uh, then we get the highlights of the brawl. And that man. Now, I've seen some brawls. We saw the Tupelo concession stand brawl uh, back in Memphis. I've saw plenty of brawls in the NWA, but this was a really good backstage brawl. They were just throwing anything they could find at each other. They were slipping and sliding on the floor because they had knocked all that trash down. Cornette takes a hell of a bump over the table. <laughs> he, he gets knocked over that table, and he, he actually pulls it over with him, and he takes a good bump. And, I mean, there's some wicked, wicked racket shots in there, too, and this comes across as two teams that absolutely hate each other and are trying to gouge each other's eyes out. I mean, it's more its more than wrestling at this point. They really want to kick each other's ass. And that was a really good angle. Um, Andy, what did you think? 
Uh, the only thing I can say as soon as I seen it, I was sitting there going ECW, ECW, and I was waving well, my wrong promotion. But that that was great all the way up to the, you know, you got the hottest, supposedly the hottest tag team in the universe, and their escape vehicle is like a Toyota Tercel or something <laughs> that they bust the wind out of. It, it it was great all the way around. Yeah, they they wasn't going to find a nice car to bust the window out of. So no, just, no, they couldn't do a limo or something. No, no we we got the Tercel out here, hit it. Yeah, and, it's probably the bar announcer guys. And as far as the ECW thing, you're right. I mean, that that brings you back to the ECW thing. But you know what the difference is? They didn't have to fall off of an eighty foot damn scaffold through eighteen flaming tables to get a pop out of the crowd. Imagine that. Cornette was able to do it without killing people. Yeah, they was even using cardboard boxes as weapons, and you and you still didn't notice it the first time. Yeah, through. I mean, it didn't matter. They were just they were hitting each other with anything they could get a hold of. So that was totally believable. Justin, now that's an old school Southern brawl right there. What did you think about that? It, it was it was really believable. I even had to ask you on <laughs> you know offline if if it was real. You know, like yeah. they actually had actual hate for each other. Yeah, but uh, that's pretty good. I mean, it's believable. You made it; they made it believable. But uh, the only thing I can add after that is that sorry ass kick by the pedo Jackie at the end, very end, Duh. trying trying to kick that the car. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you guys saw that. Yeah, he he tried to get it. It was away. pretty pathetic. Oh, he's just lucky that they're not hauling him away in a car. That's, yeah, exactly. Was, yeah, no. that, that's the car. unseen footage that we didn't get to see three or four episodes ago when he disappeared. They they put him and Carl Styles in the back of the same car, and Carl just didn't make it back. Two men enter, one man leaves. All right, so we go. Car, Carl only had the speeding ticket. This guy had the <laughs> more severe. Uh, Never mind. Yeah, he had. Well, the, he was trying to get to the finish line too soon, then, you know. So it's about the same thing. Good analogy. <laughs> We're going back to the desk. Bob Armstrong. He's finding everybody fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> he's just throwing fines out all over the place. But he will sanction a Smoky Mountain brawl at Summer Blast. He's a rich ass man by now. That that really son of a bitch. He could. He could at least have enough to buy a new shirt at this point. Yeah, no doubt. Change your fucking shirt. Oh. Yeah, but <laughs> so he sanctioned a no holds barred he sanctioned a no holds barred match. Um The F bombs are dropping from Freebird Mountain. Freebird Mountain, yes. Uh oh, speaking of Freebird Mountain, congratulations to the fabulous Freebirds going into the WWF Hall of Fame. Uh, the fake wrestling hall of fame going up, but they're putting the Freebirds in. So Terry Gordy gets to live in infamy on Freebird Mountain. That's cool. Even though this ain't a Vince McMahon show, uh, congratulations to the to the birds. Michael Hayes' induction speech will be epic. <laughs> It'll be something. Uh, if he doesn't get uh, thrown off before a racist joke, then I will be disappointed. Because M- M- Michael Hayes may be one of the more racist people in, in wrestling. Allegedly. Allegedly. Anyway, uh... So we're at, we're doing a ring interview now, and Cornette's in there with the bodies, and um, he said that you never threatened to kill somebody. 
He said that they tried, the Fantastics tried to kill the heavenly bodies. And he said, I've never, I've been told not to ever threaten to kill anybody. He said, but you give us a choice of you or us, brother, and you ain't going to make it. And man, that would have been the soundbite of the week if we didn't have something way better come up that's just funnier a couple episodes later that we will share with you later in the show. Um, so what do you think about that? I mean, we saw the brawl, and then we get this uh, sound, the, the, just Cornette, just great interview there. Andy, uh, definitely put over the angle. Yeah, and it plays right into the Southern mentality of, you know, I I don't want to destroy you, but at the same time, if it's you or me, you're going down. So, you know, and he, he he's just an awesome interview. He's, I think he's one of the geniuses of wrestling because he will, he will make anybody hate him to a degree that even grandmas want to smack him with their wheelchair. <laughs> absolutely so probably one probably one of the best i've ever i've ever heard seriously yeah I especially mean, it, especially in a promo in a promotion like this uh he he's great he's, he continue, continues to be the one of the best ever he's right up there with uh i guess uh paul Heyman. i guess as far as far as you know trying to push a promo like to this extent extent i guess yeah i mean they're they're two of the best they they don't see the eye to eye on anything but they're the same dude one of them's from kentucky Pretty and the other one's from new york but they're the same guy <laughs> i mean they yep. both started out as photographers yep. they but i mean they came up in the same fashion just they're the same dude even though they don't <laughs> want to admit it so we uh, no, go to, we go to tim horner now at the desk uh the the lightning he don't have the uh, lightning bolt in this interview. Uh, he's going to have a strap match with Buddy Landell, though, and he is going to peel Buddy like an onion. At least he's not exploding like some of our other friends. But um, so now we've got another stipulation match coming up in Summer Brawl, and it's a, a strap match, Indian strap match, to Tim Horner and Buddy Landell. That's something that will that will be a recurring th- theme through these uh, three episodes. We finally make it to match number two. Paul here, here Lee we go. and Danny Davis. And speaking of exploding, Woo! here we come. Kamal calls Davis a young man. <laughs> at this point in Davis's career, I think he had been wrestling since 78 or 79. He wasn't a he wasn't old, but he wasn't a spring chicken either. Um but 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 when you're but when you're Bob's age, it's uh, I guess anybody would have been pretty young at that point. And and God bless Bob Cottle, the, the man is still alive today. And and he's gotta be in his eighties. Now if he started uh, if he started in in the nineteen fifties, and I don't have a date on Bob Cottle's birth, but if he started in the fifties, I've gotta imagine he's probably in his twenties. So the dude's gotta be in his eighties, and he's still going strong. Well, he's still going. I'm not sure how strong he's going, but he's still kicking, and that's better than a lot of people. I'm just hoping he's found better adjectives to describe things other than exploding. Uh, well, he, he had a few more years, so we'll see what happens. Um, probably, probably lucky to talk, but you, you need to uh, put that picture of him, Andy, 
on our page, I guess, if we have a page. Yeah, we'll uh, th- we'll make one. Yeah, we'll get one. Well, the that's the order of the day. We'll we will actually have a uh, a, a group page somewhere, Facebook maybe. We'll see. Uh, anyway, Polly, Danny Davis, and Danny Davis does this spot where he's rolling around on Polly, and I guess he's exploding or something. But he's, he looks like Nick Diaz on Conor McGregor. He is just all over him. Uh, Lee doing his Ric Flair tribute spots, even down to the powder blue tights. That's good stuff. And uh, I don't know what brings it up during the match, but Dutch Mantel mentions that Davey Rich is hurt and under heavy sedation, which that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, d- d- I don't think Dutch uh, much cares for Davy Rich, or at least on yeah, TV. He, he, he keeps on uh, banging on him like the whole time. I don't know. Every yeah, time he, he comes up for for no reason at all. Yeah, he, they, they he have nothing to do with him. this match. I don't get it. It's funny though. Uh, Davis tries a Frankensteiner at the end of the match, and he he damn near killed himself. He really did. <laughs> he, Honestly, I thought that I thought that uh, Paul Lee had actually countered it into a powerbomb until the roll <laughs> happened. Well, it, I, and, it was awful. In Dutch Mantel fashion, covers it up and called it a vertical head scissors. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it a boxed Frankensteiner. <laughs> <laughs> vertical head scissors so oh god he then he hits him with his uh exploder neck breaker for the win and uh no they they do not replay the the botched hurricane rana and uh yes uh paul lee though he if you want to have some jobbers get if a, a jobber you can have jobbers that don't ever win but have a gimmick paul lee does a really good job of that he's not a bad wrestler he's got a good little shtick I, I, I want to see more Paul Lee just because of his nature boy ripoff. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I still think he's, as far as in the ring, he's better than Buddy Landell is mocking in the age. But, you know, he, he's a good jobber. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. He's a lot better than, I don't know, some of these canning guys. Whoever else, Cannon or oh god, we uh, well, some, well, we we can talk about him later. Yeah, we've got some bad some pretty bad jobbers. Uh, Brian Lee, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's one too. Yeah, so we we go to the we go to an interview with Buddy Landell, and he says that he's he has screwed Horner up and around, and he can't even have sex with his old lady. He he's spry for Brian Lee today, and the last time he wrestled, he had a temperature of 115. So. But typical Buddy Landell, man, making up crap as he goes. He had a, a temperature of 115 the last time he wrestled. And uh, the, the whole thing with sex with Horner's old lady, I mean, maybe she was a good-looking woman. I'm not sure. But Landell sure talked about her enough. <laughs> oh. he, he, might have been, he might have been with her. Who knows? I, the, Who the hell knows? I don't know. Uh, maybe. Well, well, here's the thing. Horner, uh Never mind. No, I mean, ah, Horner's just a, he's just got the lightning bolt thing, which is a little, little weird. Exactly. Main event, Buddy Landell and Brian Lee. And I, I figured this would be a good match, but honestly, uh, it, 
it was just a setup of an angle. Um, Buddy got his share of fans, though. I mean, the fans were cheering for Buddy Landell, at least a lot, at least quite a few of them. Uh, Buddy, Buddy says Lee grabs his hair on a takedown, so Mark Curtis uh makes lee he break he makes brian lee break the hold and then buddy landell does the same thing to brian lee he he actually rips him down by his hair and then the, there was fans giving him what for and he sticks his t- tongue out at him and buddy buddy uh he definitely had some detractors against him also and then uh, as it's it's getting as it's just starting to pick up tim horner comes out of nowhere Landell's trying to tape his fist up with a chain or put a chain around his fist or something to to hit Brian Lee with it, and Horner distracts him and Lee gets a roll up for the win. So it's always fun to watch Buddy Landell, and and then, and again, yet again, your Smoky Mountain Wrestling World Champion wins with <laughs> a fluke pin because the other baby face outside interferes. I don't understand the booking. <laughs> Just please help me understand the booking, Andy. What's going on? They don't like him either. Back to you. Dynamite. <laughs> dynamite. <laughs> what is that? The major league thing? Dynamite cut in, Marty? Um, whatever that is. Yeah. I sh- yeah. Dy- dynamite. Money. Dynamite yeah. Yeah. D- dynamite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> drop in money. Yeah, dynamite, dynamite drop in drop, money. Drop in. But you know, I mean, what else can I say about Brian Lee? He sucks. He and I, I think they're starting to figure this out. Thank God. Except he won't suck. To back, you'll just have to see. I mean, thank God it's coming because when when the um, when the light bulb goes off and you see that he doesn't suck that bad when he turns heel eventually, you're going to be like, huh. Where where did this guy come from? Was he hidden? I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, well, see, that's the whole problem with his whole character right now. He's a heel. Trying to push you. He's a heel. Yes, they're trying to push him as a baby face, an underdog baby face. When he's six, and he always reminds us he's six foot eight, two hundred and ninety pounds or whatever. You know, and and then he wins BS wins with a roll up or a disqualification for the title or you know it it, it he wins like a heel it doesn't make any yeah, sense exactly yeah and i mean say what you want about hulk hogan with i mean hulk hogan at least could take a beating and get sympathy and brian lee just he's hulk hogan's not as tall as brian lee but hulk hogan was more muscular but he still could take a beating from guys that wasn't quite as big as him and make it look more believable. It's just Brian Lee's, he's not a great face, at least not in Smoky Mountain. I mean, God, some of the stuff I saw from Memphis, and uh, I know that he was Continental, and some of the face stuff that he had there was better. I he just, uh, I don't know. He's not connecting in Smoky Mountain. No. He, he's really, hor- he's horrible. I, I you know, I, I feel like a broken record. I can't say anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right, so we go to a localized promo, and the only reason that I'm talking about the localized promo is because it's freaking insanely awesome, and I'm just going to play it because I can't do this justice. Here we go. Yes. Well, you know, let me give a little bit of insight here. <laughs> a lot of people don't know this, 
But they're so blown. The Nature Boy, we went to high school together. Remember, you didn't really like me that much. See, because the Nature Boy was a woman's man. You know what I'm saying? I be combing my hair. No, but you was a headhunter. I'm a man. You, you was a headhunter. You know Remember? What? He was taking heads off, <laughs> beating people up. I always had a bad attitude. Still do. Still yeah. Do. You talking about bad attitudes? You talking about loudmouth? You talking about somebody getting nasty? I'm talking about this man right here, Nature Boy Buddy Landell. He knows what it's all about, just like I do. You know, if you sometimes if you gotta get a little mean. And you gotta get a little nasty. You know, you gotta peel everything off. And then you gotta get real wild. And then if you gotta go down and you gotta pull somebody's eye out, then you gotta explode. Down her throat and pull her big. Yes, Lord. Nothing for me in the nature boy, right? (laughs) You know what? (laughs) We ain't in Madison Square Garden. We ain't in the Cow Palace out in San Francisco. You know why? We got bad attitudes. That's why. (laughs) This is Smoky Mountain Wrestling, baby. This is where it's happening. You got to be tough to work here, now, people. Y'all up around them Virginia hills in Tennessee, y'all know what I'm talking about. Ain't no kissing hot end around here, baby. Ain't no brown nosing going on. I don't know how to do politics. If I would, I'd be world champion. But I ain't. I ain't. Where's Smoky Mountain, my Smoky Mountain wrestling leaping habit? Just like we was in high school. Wrestling fans, when Smoky Mountain wrestling comes to your area, don't forget to have a ringside seat to see two of the meanest guys in the Smoky Mountain area. You'll want to be there. All right. Okay. Yeah, that that was like a coked-up church service right there. Yes, Lord. Yes. And, and, and Dirty White Boy was just as hopper as Brian, as, uh, oh God, I'm sorry, buddy. Was just as hopper as Buddy Landell. <laughs> God. At that oh, point. Everybody coked up. Woo! Yeah. Well, I mean, no, here, here's the thing. It, it has to be more. Dirty White Boy had to be more on more than just cocaine. I mean, <laughs> he was talking about ripping tongues out and eyeballs out. It had to be more just, than that. Oh, That's so- just southern fighting right there. You go for the eyeballs and grab her tongue if you can. Yeah, the, I, it the, that was. I mean, and that was the localized promo. That wasn't played everywhere. So I just applaud that for it still was being hilarious. There. It was awesome because aside from Terry Gordy taking us to Freebird Mountain, that was the craziest promo we've heard so far, without a doubt. No, no doubt. Uh, the it only thing Lord. that could have been better is Terry Gordy with the Dirty White Boy and Buddy Landell giving that promo. <laughs> we're going to come down for Freebird Mountain, and then we're going to rip the tongues out, uh, and then we're going to stomp their throats down. Uh, tell them, Buddy. <laughs> oh, Buddy, I liked it when he said, I was a ladies' man, and then Dirty White Boy's like, I wouldn't? <laughs> no, you was a headhunter. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. they played off each other great. I mean, honestly... I love Paul Orndorff, and he's a really good heel. But the dynamic between the Dirty White Boy and um, Buddy Landell, maybe that's the team they should have actually went with. Yeah, maybe. Anyway. Yeah, and let Orndorff be like the wild car out there, you know, just. Yeah, but they would have been wasting poor Paul Orndorff on Tim Horner. So I can I can see why that uh, they kept Horner, uh, Orndorff in the uh, the main event. But that, that promo was gold. So good, it, it good was on them. One of the best I've ever heard. Good on good on them. So we go to the desk now, and um, Buddy Landell is at the desk now for a regular interview, and 
He says he's going to give Tim Horner that one. He's just a little bit ticked off, and he cost him the belt. Summer blast, strap match, Horner's all his. This whole episode, which is smart, they basically just used it to set up the three main matches at Summer Blast. Because you're going to have the tag team match with uh, Brian Lee and Garvin against the Dirty White Boy and Orndorff. We've set up the strap match between Landell and Tim Horner. And we've also set up the uh, other tag team match between the Fantastics and the Bodies. So this episode, basically all it done was laid the groundwork for those three matches. Which is not a bad idea. Back then, you used to set up your TV. You used to set up your house shows or your big events. We, we don't do that anymore, but back then, that was the way to do it. You used TV to put over the, the cards so people would come and you'd get money at the gate. Now they don't give a shit because they get enough from endorsements. and Pepsi sponsors them or who, whatever the movie coming out this week will sponsor them. And the Marine 73. Yeah, John Cena will be in another Marine movie or Ted DiBiase with his, Jr. With his little brother, Matt Damon. Yeah, so, but back then, they would use these TV shows to set up the the big events, which that's what they done with this one, and actually, that's what they're doing with this taping for the three episodes. But we're, we're out of episode number 22 right now. We'll take a quick time out, and we'll be back with episode number... 23, you're listening to Fire in the Mountains, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. That's an icebreaker. What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of The Kevin Kelly Show right here on the Place to Be Nation. PlacetoBeNation.com, The Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner. At least we hope. Place for Nation's Justin Rosero here. In addition to the Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes and PlaceToBeNation.com. You can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast, with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current day wrestling with main event, Mission Indie Possible, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on WWE, NXT, and Ring of Honor Super Shows. And relive wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series, led by Ben Morse, and the Dangerous Alliance Wrestling Podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. we got sports covered, too, with the Sports Evolution Mega Show with Scott, Dr. G, Cowboy, and Cowboy Sr., the Kings of Sport, led by Live Audio Wrestling's godfather, Nate Milton, as well as the NBA Team Podcast and the TJ McClune Show. PTBN tackles pop culture and irreverence with Richard and the Mailman, the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, and if you like a hybrid of all of this in list form, check out Jordan Duncan's Rank and File. All of these shows are available on PlaceTVNation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. We want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick Island in Fall River, Massachusetts, and Scott Keats' Blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceTVNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. This is Parv, and I'm here to tell you to listen and subscribe to the pro wrestling-only Place to Be Nation podcast network. That's the PWO PTBN podcast network where you'll find 
a ton of in-depth shows done by hardcore fans. We've got Chris Zellner's one-two punch of Exile on Bad Street and with David Bickenspan, a smash hit between the sheets. We've got Wrestling Culture with Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave. Goodwill Wrestling and the reaction shows with Good Old Will from Texas. We've got This Week in Wrestling with my man Pete and Johnny Sorrow. Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston's Pro Wrestling Super Show. Tag Team's Back Again with Kelly and Marty Sleaze. And a ton of other great shows too. And of course, there's Titans of Wrestling and Where the Big Boys Play with yours truly and some dude from down south called Chad. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. Yeah, and welcome back to Fire in the Mountains. Ricky Wittenberg, Justin Edgel, Andy Waddell, and yes, please listen to all the great Place to Be Nation shows, especially ours. I mean, shit, we got to pimp our own stuff, right? We think we're entertaining, if nothing else, so glad to be on the Place to Be Nation, and uh, definitely listen to these shows because they put out some good stuff all across the board. If you want old school, if you want new school, if you want in-depth stuff if you want to listen to the, the between the sheets or you get a history on continental i mean we're doing the smoky mountain podcast but chris zellner has blown it out of the water with his uh, bluegrass brawling uh, three-part smoky mountain uh, retrospective so listen to all that crap because it is it is good stuff so please listen to the place to be nation and you can find our show on uh, the place to be nation.com along with all these other great shows doesn't Kevin Kelly, isn't it a guy that The Rock calls uh, Hermie? Yeah, Kevin Kelly uh, was formerly in the WWE. So, Yeah, and who The Rock called Hermie. Uh, I don't know. Huh? I'm not sure about that. that. Maybe. Back to um, episode 23 now, still on this same taping from uh, Cumberland, Kentucky. We go straight into match number one, and it's Gary Scott and Paul Orndorff. And uh, Paul Orndorff gets a pop from the Kentucky crowd. And good God almighty at Gary Scott's tights. Jesus Christ, we got to put that on the... I may need to put that as a background picture because those are those are some interesting tights that he was wearing. He gets a quick roll-up for two. It, it, all that does is make Paul Orndorff mad. And uh, he crushes him with a big back suplex. He throws him outside and beats beats him on the rail to the delight of the crowd, may I add. And uh, Dutch says he's just going to call it like it is. He's about halfway to killing that boy. And really, Orndorff is just beating the living crap out of this kid. And uh, yeah, he, st- he steals a fan's drink and splashes it in his eyes. Dutch... Dutch tells Bob that he needs to quit this drinking. Oh God, this is oh, it, nothing else on these squash matches. Dutch Mantel can can liven things up, and and Paul Orndorff in these matches where he's fighting a jobber, he'll just he'll lay it to him. I mean, this dude kicked the shit out of Van Vader. He, he could kick the shit out of a jobber. So, and he pulls off the be- I'm gonna say it right now the best finisher we've seen in the promotion. This this entire run, uh, that uh, that was for, even if for now for back then that was an awesome finisher. I'm sorry that that was just great. Yeah, and what Andy's talking about it's a it's a backdrop except he gets him so high he turns around and like yanks him on down to the ground. So that could easily be a finisher today. Uh, somebody would probably modify when they turned around they would hit him with a some kind of a 
Michinoku driver or something out of it, but that was that was a that was a brutal move. If he hits it just right, it would look like it would absolutely kill somebody. So we we're out of this match and we go straight to the desk with uh, Cornette and the Heavenly Bodies. And Stan Lane says the Fantastics are lunatics. They should be locked in padded cells or put on death row for attempted murder. And Cornette gives them a warning. The next time they see them, they are done. So Jim Cornette and the bodies are definitely, definitely fired up about the Fantastics. We go into another interview at the desk with Tim Horner. And he said that Buddy Landell has caused him some grief, but he wanted to return that favor. He's going to be on Buddy like a wet T-shirt. That's a interesting comment for Tim Horner. Uh, yeah, well. I mean, come on, this is the South. We've got so many better ways to say that, like stink on shit or white on rice, you know, something like that. Not I mean, he was white lightning. T-shirt. I mean, he could have said like lightning on, I don't know, something. You know, it's the same guy that has a, this big old lightning bolt in his hand. So, <laughs> And he is shameless. Let us not yes, forget yes. the past. Yes, oh, that's true. He can sing his butt off. <laughs> Or he can he can definitely he he can definitely uh, I don't know about this he he can't sing he sucks oh, he ain't that bad it's just hokey <laughs> match number two on this card Joe Kazana's back you can tell what Jobber Smoky Mountain likes because they'll completely continuously reuse them and Joe Kazana might be their favorite Jobber because he's been on. He may have been on every episode I've seen so far. I think he's had more matches than any wrestler we've seen, good, bad, jobber, or otherwise. Yeah, I mean, he was even in the the uh, that Battle Royal, so. Because Anna's got, he's, he's got some play here in Smoky Mountain. And, um, yeah, I think him and Paul Lee should be a tag team. The the, the Golden Woo Posse. Uh, or something. Because golden, the, the Golden... The golden something. Dutch says that the sole purpose on earth, his sole purpose on earth, is to inform the fans of the injustices to people like Orndorff and the Dirty White Boy. <laughs> oh, Dutch, you he kills me. And uh, he says that he never, that he liked to never get to Cumberland, Kentucky. And then Bob says that that's the first thing that he agrees with Dutch with. And I mean, when Bob Connell is cracking on the town. And Bob Connell's the nicest man on planet Earth. I mean, he's right next to Mr. Rogers on how nice he is. And Bob <laughs> Connell is cracking on Cumberland, Kentucky. That should tell you something. Well, the directions did include turn off the paved road, hang a left <laughs> at the barn, and look for the light. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have wrestling at the gym that we use for... Uh... The sheep herding contest in the winter. There you go. Dynamite drop in, Monty. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Uh, all right, so Horner Horner wins it with the natural bridge. At least, you know what? I'll give him credit for this. He don't screw that up, and it actually, even though it is just a roll up, it looks good, and he always hits it clean. Let me give. I, if we want to crack on people, we can, but let's give credit where it's due. He hits a decent bridge every time that he does it. Uh, Lane, yeah, that's fine, but. Anybody else tired of getting pissed on your head? Yes. 
coming. How many times? How many times we gotta see Joe Kazana? Um, Joe Kazana uh, is a I'll good just give jobber. It, I'll just say that Joe Kazana is a good jobber. I am not gonna crack on Kazana. He's the him and Paul Lee are my favorite jobber. Well, and Rip Rogers, but Rip Rogers, by God, shouldn't be a jobber. So, yeah, it's true. Rip Rogers is like mid card, but he never wins. So. Landale runs in as soon as the bell rings, and he whips Horner with the strap. Dutch yells, dust him, dust him. <laughs> Dutch is wanting him to beat Horner like a redheaded stepchild. When we cut to commercial, and uh, so that's where we leave that with Buddy Landale whipping Tim Horner. Back to the desk, and we get highlights of a match between Robert Gibson and Jimmy Golden that has apparently taken place in Knoxville recently and uh, golden pin gibson where he knocked him out with the dreaded foreign object and uh, golden cuts a promo he said he knocked out gibson once and he'll do it again and he's never had a chain in his life and perfect perfect jimmy golden holding a chain while he says it <laughs> uh, let me be a dick about it i will actually hold the chain i used yeah. to knock him out his cross-eyed well, actually, try to knock his cross eyes back to normal, and but he's holding the chain, saying he's never had a chain in his life. That's awesome. Oh, Rick Cannon against Robert Gibson. I don't know why I crack on Robert Gibson. He is the most overdue in this entire promotion, and it ain't even close. And and I don't get it. it it's because of how popular the Rock and Roll Express was, and that you just oh, don't God, get it. Yes. I mean, you just don't understand that if you've not been from around here. About, we kept the bandana franchise going. Yeah, I mean, we kept bandanas going all the way until they got cool again because they were popularized by gangs. Yeah, we just moved them from our kneecaps to our heads. That's all we that's, had to do here. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. So we go... Um, crazy, though. I mean, he... Anyway... Yeah, no, I mean, Gibson, it's just the Rock and Roll Express was over. Um, over like, they were Hulk Hogan over in the South. Sure. Because every time he comes out there, I mean, everybody goes nuts, you know, so I get it. Yeah. And looking back on it, and I mean, we've discussed this before, but it goes back to he is a decent singles wrestler, but you put him and Ricky Morton together and the chemistry was just awesome. And you just got drawn into it. Yeah. And, and Gibson to his credit does, he is, you just don't see Robert Gibson as a heel or, well, I mean, I've saw him as a heel and it works, but he's just such a good baby face and the crowd loves the rock and roll express. They can't do no wrong. Robert Gibson had been a face his pretty much his whole career up until this point. So, Gibson is over. Like, I mean, hell, maybe they should have made him the world champion. And I'm not even kidding. That that would have probably have worked. Been a lot better than Brian Lee. I'm serious yeah, about that. The, I mean, at this the fans point, would have been a lot happier. Rick Cannon may have been a better world champion as Brian Lee. <laughs> Rick Cannon. He's fighting yeah. Robert Gibson in this match. Um, Gibson's going to have a match uh, where Golden has to be searched by the fans to make sure he has no foreign objects. And my God, I can see that going horribly wrong. <laughs> <Especially>, <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, thank, I mean, I don't know what Jimmy Golden's packing, but thank God it's not Robert Fuller because if they would be checking him, they would get more than they bargained for because he was he was slinging about 12 from, from all accounts. So he, he definitely had a deadly weapon in his pants at all times. Oh, dear Gord, this took a long, long, long turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've got to expect that the fans, if they're going to check Jimmy Golden, they're going to see how the referee does it, and they always check the tights, you're going to have that one over-anxious redneck that yep, checks a little there's going to be close. a sexual harassment assault. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Golden's actually going to knock out a fan, legit, and then we're going to have this lawsuit. So we found two ways to close Smoky Mountain so far in this show. Dixie Dynamite with uh, with real fireworks, killing some young child, or or uh, Jimmy Golden killing a dude for filling him up. Come here, boy. Square like a pig. <laughs> Jimmy Golden. I could <laughs> say, he would be perfect in the in a Deliverance remake. Even oh, dear Lord. Uh, we just got to figure out who's going to play uh, Ned Beatty's part. <laughs> mm. um, Bob Cottle. <laughs> uh, I was thinking maybe like Danny McBride, Kenny Powers. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah, that's much better. Uh, okay, anyway. So, uh, Rick, yeah, there's nothing much about this match except the Bulldog. Holy God. Gibson's defense, this idiot took the bulldog wrong. But every time, it's like nine times out of ten that Gibson hits a bulldog, it, it it goes horribly wrong. I think he needs to change his finisher. Well, the the problem with the bull, the way he does the bulldog is uh, the bulldog needs a setup. I mean, to where both people know, hey, we're taking two steps and then going. He tries to hit it out of nowhere, I guess, to make it, you know, a surprise or, you know, whatever. But, and it always seems to throw the timing off, just from what I've seen. That's true. I mean, yeah, I guess Dick Cannon, he, he wasn't ready for that, obviously. It was horrible. <laughs> it, it was almost, uh, he almost was paralyzed on the move. So, needless to say, you watch these episodes, definitely watch that bulldog because you almost witnessed a guy die. Down and dirty with Dutch. Buddy Landell, he calls uh, Dutch call. Oh, this is great. This this is a great segment. Dutch calls Tim Horner an egg-sucking dog. Buddy says he's never given Horner. Buddy says he gave Horner the whooping that his mama should have gave him. And then Horner hits the ring with the whip and Buddy bails out. The D- D- Dutch don't want any of it because Tim was slinging it at him for a second. And he said that he hopes that Horner whips Buddy like the dog that he is. <laughs> and Dutch said that he had no right to whip Horner. And Tim leaves the ring. And right as he leaves, Dutch acts like he's going to smack him in the back of the head. I mean, perfect, Dutch Mantel. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Just playing whatever side that he needed to be on to progress himself for that very second. Yeah, just to get out of there with his skin intact. Yeah, I mean, in that you, you know how Dutch Mantel is. That comes across. You don't have to be explained. Dutch Mantel's a coward. <laughs> He's going to say whatever helps Dutch Mantel make it to the next episode. Uh, egg sucking dog. I love that phrase. Egg sucking dog. Match number four. It's Little Nate, Paul Lee against Prime Time Brian Lee. And uh, are they? Uh, could they be brothers? I mean, they do share the same last name. No, Paul Lee has more talent. <laughs> 
Well, it could be like the Twins movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger pretty, and Danny DeVito. And all yeah, the, that's it. All they, the they give, went to the uh, Lee, yeah. Yeah, they give Brian all the physique stuff, but they took out the brains. That makes sense. So, uh, and, and, and Dutch does make mention that Paul Lee is primetime's illegitimate son. That <laughs> 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 Paul Lee's probably older than Brian Lee, which is hilarious. Dutch calls out Tim Horner. <laughs> and then Bob asks him if he's walking on both sides of the aisle. Uh, that's something we probably should ask Caitlyn Jenner, not uh, Dutch Mantel. <laughs> D- Dutch says if it ain't if it ain't nothing it ain't nothing for him to slap a man's face, and uh, he's, he's he's still mad at Horner. Primetime cancels the Nage, um, and my God, this was another botched fin. What is it with botched finishers by the talent? Ever, I mean, it seems like well, Robert Gibson botches the bulldog quite a bit, and. Right here, Brian Lee definitely botches the cancellation. I mean, and it was bad. I mean, it wasn't even close. He should have just went ahead and dropped him to the ground and done it again or something. I yeah, don't know. Uh, hit him with an elbow on the bottom. I mean, something. That was... <laughs> Brian, Lee, Brian Lee botched something? Hmm. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, every time Lee botches something, we'll just take a shot. We'll see how long it takes Justin to get drunk. <laughs> Two and a half episodes. Uh, okay, yeah, and I mean that's just only because Brian Lee's only on the episode for three or four minutes at a time. And we're at the desk with Lee, uh, Brian Lee, not Paul Lee. He's he's not important enough. Uh, he says that Ronnie Garvin is fists of stone. For the, God, Brian, God damn it! It's hands of stone. It's it, can't, can't, how hard is it? It's hands of stone. I mean, yes, t- technicality, but he has been the hands of stone, Ronnie Garvin, since, pff, hell, 1985. And all of a sudden, in 1992, Brian Lee can't even remember that it's hands, and he calls it fists. The next he's going to be fighting the natural boy, Buddy Landell. <laughs> and is this the interview also? Because Lee has another one, but is this the one where he botches something else and he just, he laughs and tells Bob that he's just so excited that he can't hardly talk. I'm like, no, you just can't talk. Let's, let's yeah, just get you, one thing. You need a manager, it. sir. And thank God one will come for him eventually. <laughs> and it's the yeah. perfect manager for him. So they show footage of uh, Ron Garvin and it's the footage of when Ron Garvin won the NWA title from Ric Flair. And of course, at this time, you got to remember that WCW, WCW, was uh, they were uh, not too happy with Ric Flair because Flair was in the WWF as their world champion. So why not show footage of a dude beating Flair for the world title that's coming to your promotion? Good job, Jim Cornette. I just couldn't get over the sunset flip off the top rope. I, I mean, yeah, you just didn't see stuff like that back in. No, I mean it was a good way to finish it because that's uh, that was that was definitely uncharacteristic of the time. And I don't think anybody thought Ron Garvin was going to beat Ric Flair for the title. <laughs> Hell, I thought Jimmy Garvin would have had a better shot at beating Flair for the title <laughs> in nineteen eighty seven. But it's somebody needed to do it and. Ron Garvin stepped up to the plate. Very disappointing. 
the we're to the desk with Dirty White Boy Orndorff and Ron Wright. And then, and then let's pile on Ric Flair some more. Orndorff said that he's beat Ric Flair, and the Dirty White Boy said he's beat Ric Flair. And uh, anybody with a pair of wrestling trunks has beat Ric Flair. So definitely shots fired. That's bullshit, by the way. Come on. I'm pretty sure that Tony Anthony had never beaten Ric Flair. Maybe he had. There ain't no way. There ain't no way. I I still go back to this. Ric Flair was, what, 16-time world champion? All to me that means is he got beat 16 times too, so. Yeah, well, uh, and Flair... He oh, that, but I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think he beat him. Uh, Dirty White Boy may have beat him by DQ at some point in Continental or, or somewhere else that he wrestled prior to that. Because Flair, as a traveling NWA champion, would go to these territories and usually lose by DQ or sometimes have time limit draws. So to keep the the face of the other promotions strong. Well, that's possible. I would have to research that. I doubt that that's true, but hey, you can say whatever you want to when you're a heel on TV. That's just their gimmick. So Dirty White Boy says that Brian Lee is a scared man, and uh, they say Ronnie who, Ron Wright is definitely playing this cool because he's legit afraid of Garvin because he knows what he's capable of. They're acting like it's a joke. Ron Wright's actually scared and Ron Wright's been throughout the this whole run of Smoky Mountain with the bad heart and all this but he's not acted scared of any wrestler he wasn't scared of Brian Lee for the dirty white boy he hadn't been scared of anybody that's been in a feud but he's scared of Ronnie Garvin and that's putting over Garvin as a legit tough guy which is smart so here we go. Next angle. Yay! Yes, let's clap for our grandma. She gets a lifetime pass to Smoky Mountain Wrestling shows. Bless her heart. And uh, Bouncing Beulah. Bouncing Beulah. And for the love of God, no. We don't want to see the gyrator ever again. <laughs> what do you mean? It should have been a gyrator. Oh, well, she, gyr- she, she gyrates also, just not quite in the same fashion. Oh, shit. I mean, oh. they call her Bouncing Beulah, so back in her day, maybe, you know, she's probably something about the time electricity was invented. That's true. Just still alive yeah. from Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. The, the, the first motion picture showed her ankles. It was hot. <laughs> uh, we're at the desk now with uh, Bob Armstrong, and he's talking about Summer Blast. And he's just going over the uh, the matches the Fantastics come out, and they're basically saying the same thing. They're going to whip the heavenly bodies all over Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, Mass- see, this is where uh, uh, we've done already done this once tonight, so I'm going to drop it again. I, I had to listen to it three times. I swore I thought Jackie said they fucked them up and down the hall, but he was saying they fought them up and down the hall, and I don't know why, but his accent, it just came out like that. And I'm like, how did the censors miss this? <laughs> well, I mean, that would have definitely put a new spin on things. <laughs> well, Jackie's, you know, there's something. <laughs> they something wasn't young enough. Jackie. I mean, if, if, if they'd about been about 12, that may have been a possibility. Uh, Tom Pritchard and Stan Lane were too old. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know with that head, Gary. He might have thought it was braces. Oh, I, God. I, 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 
we'll talk long, about man. Stan Lane's headgear again later. Poor Stan. Match number five, the Batten Twins against Dixie Dynamite and Danny Davis. And this is weird. I kind of figured, because I, I really couldn't remember what was going on around this point in time. The Batten Twins have been heels before. I kind of thought maybe this was a good way. We had talked about it in last episode. They kind of lied on the heel tag teams. I thought maybe they were going to do something smart and make the Battens turn turn uh, heel on the da- Danny Davis and Dixie Dynamite. But it was basically just a scientific match. And then a, a weird, uh, this is kind of weird, the Heavenly Bodies and the Fantastics brawl into the ring. <laughs> and then <laughs> other random wrestlers come out, and then everybody's fighting. Yeah. Hey, Joe Kazana makes his triumphant return once again, and he's on ringside. Another shower. Joe's, no figure. Joe, uh, Joe, what, Cannon? Rick Cannon's out there. Nick Cannon was out there to shoot the whole cast. I mean, we have, it's just pandemonium, and I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. But And everybody was hollering at the Batten Twins to start singing, you got to know when to hold them. <laughs> yeah, put Kenny Rogers to eat your, eat your heart out. And, uh, <laughs> D- yeah, Dutch Mantel, his commentary was was really good in this match. He, he'd be, he'd rather be watching doing a fishing show or watch grass grow. And then uh, talking about the capital punishment, yes, Justin, D- Dutch Mantel definitely, he, uh, he made up for the lack of excitement in the ring. Yeah. Until yeah, the until the end of the match, and then just all hell broke loose. So, yeah. I mean, when you have two teams that just come barreling out of the dressing room fighting each other, did the referee even? I mean, what did? How did they rule this match? Was this a a no contest? Yeah, he didn't. He couldn't have disqualified either one of the teams. They didn't do anything. I think it's one of those where you just throw your hands up and go, "Screw it, I'm out." Yeah, Mark Curtis just wanted to get away from the the fight. I mean, Mark Curtis may have been at ringside choking out Cannon. I'm not sure. Yeah, all right. All right, so that's the end of episode 23, and we'll just jump straight into 24. Uh, oh, God. 23 was a placeholder. And uh, straight into 24, and oh, God. that's the, I know why he said that now. We go straight into match one, basically. Killer Kyle against Danny Davis, and they play the David and Goliath thing. Davis rocks Kyle. He knocks him out of the ring. And uh, basically, Killer Kyle gets the upper hand. Davis comes back. But then Kyle, with his violin case strapped to the turnbuckle, pulls it over the turnbuckle and then whips Danny Davis into it. And uh, we got to do it one more time tonight. This is the soundbite of the week, I promise. Killer Kyle whipping Danny Davis into the turnbuckle. Nitro Danny Davis right into that violin case. He's going to be pinned here. Your winner of the match, Killer Kyle. He may even have something in there to make that thing even harder, but when Davis hit it, wait a minute. minute. (laughs) Now, what is Dixie (laughs) Dynamite? There's no no way. Uh, oh, yes he does Lord. yes he does Bob and it's an 18 inch there, there, there's no way in shit that, that has that, that can be innocent Dude, no, oh, it, well, no I mean, way 
Okay, well, you've got to remember, we invented this 18-inch dildo. Yes. (laughs) So when he's talking about it, I mean, Bob's probably talking about a cinder block or or it's filled with concrete. Brick or filled up with concrete or something. Yeah. (laughs) It's just the fact that we, from the first episode, have proclaimed that he's carrying around an 18-inch dildo in this case. And then for Connell to come out with that line, I literally was in the floor because. <laughs> oh, yeah. Per- perfect. It, perfect. I mean, it was the perfect line for the way we've been playing this. And I had no idea that he said it. I, first, I mean, I didn't know that. So, oh, my God. That was the soundbite of the century just for what, for, <laughs> for the way we've been playing up Killer Kyle and his, uh, his dildo case. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Okay, so, <laughs> so uh, the, the referee reverses the decision just because he trusts Dixie Dynamite more than... Yeah, it's almost like Dixie Dynamite has commissioner powers or maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, a relationship yeah. with said commissioner. I don't know. Just, that would have been something that Dutch Mantel should have actually brought up and for a conspiracy <laughs> theory. Uh, Bob Armstrong finds Killer Kyle $500. And he'd find him a thousand if he really knew what was really in there. Yeah, if he knew what was really in there, he'd throw him off a TV. Yeah, right. Yeah, send really. him to a Catholic uh, confessional. Armstrong's an idiot. Get it. Actually, Killer Kyle don't look Catholic. He he looks... Um... No. He may be well, the... Uh... He's part of the mob, dude, you know, so... Yeah, they... yeah, yeah. He's from Hell's Kitchen. I forgot about that. Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Okay, so Fire in the Mountains coming up to Freedom Hall August the 8th. That was the other thing Bob uh, Armstrong's pumping here. And that is, uh, that, that's one of the staples that'll be coming up. Or Fire on the Mountains. Um, one of the big shows in Smoky Mountain every year. So we have Summer Blast coming up, but then I know Fire on the Mountains is one of their big, big shows. So I I can't remember what the card is, but I'm sure it'll it'll turn out to be a, a good card. We recap Horner and Landell again, and then they interview uh, where Landell calls Horner a goof. He says he could beat Horner up worse. Horner's with Cottle, and he's pimping the str- – so they're just going back and forth. We have another interview at the desk with Fantastics, and Bobby said they aren't hard to find, but he hates the fans have to see this, <laughs> so they show the writing in. Jackie's going to get the bodies next week at Summer Blast. Cornette's in the it, ring. It is like the third time they showed this. No, this is this is actually different because Cornette's in the ring, and he's making fun of the Fultons. He says Jackie was already a mental cripple, and now he's a physical cripple. <laughs> Once again, you got to remember, it's 92, people. It's 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cornette's giving them a chance to admit that they're gutless cowards. And just to walk out. So the Fantastics, of course, come into the ring to whip his ass. And uh, the bodies come. Obviously, it was a setup. And Cornette hits Jackie Fulton with a tennis racket harder than John McEnroe ever swung one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was, <laughs> it was a 100-mile-an-hour shot to Jackie Fulton's back. I, I, maybe he was legit pissed at him it's for some reason. Trying to, he's kept having to get out, get him out of trouble with these twelve-year-olds. It's, it's trying to teach him a lesson. We're gonna whip the sin out of you. 
So the Fantastics, they fire back and they uh, they run off the heavenly bodies to end that segment. We go down and dirty with Dutch, and we got the dirty white boy Orndorff and Ron Wright. It's pre-tape with Ronnie Garvin. He's going he's going to kick their ass, and it, this one shows Garvin beating the crap out of Andre, beating up people in Florida. Then uh, Dutch says that we saw Garvin beat up Andre, Joe LaDuke, Bob Orton Jr. So we are establishing that Ronnie Garvin is a tough dude because we saw him the last shot episode beat Ric Flair for the NWA title and then arguably beating up the biggest attraction in wrestling history in Andre the Giant and one of the craziest men in wrestling history, Joe Ledoux. So, Ronnie Garvin, they're they're definitely uh, they're definitely playing the Garvin card that he is a tough man. Orndorff, Dirty White Boy against the Batten Twins. This is match number two. So this was a heavy angled show, and it's Orndorff and Dirty White Boy against the Batten Twins. The Battens knock them around early. They keep uh, they keep going out of the they keep knocking the heels out of the ring. And then the fans, they're counting faster than Mark Curtis. And they count up to 10 trying to get them counted out, which is, I've never seen the fans do that. So that was kind of different. I was surprised they could count to 10. Good point. Orndorff, uh, it's that whole statute of limitations. They know they can at least get up to 16. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Orndorff gets the upper hand on one of the battens and we get the classic double teaming, and then Orndorff pile drives one of the battens on the floor, so he's crippled and out of the match. And uh, they they just beat the other batten to death. And then they do an anger, they do a little spot that I've, I've one of those that's just a nice little subtle touch. Dirty White Boy's in the ring pummeling the batten, and he's trying to crawl to his corner to tag the Invisible Man because his his brother's laid out on the ground. So Paul Orndorff. Just being the dick that he is, runs across the ring <laughs> to the opposite corner, acts like he's going to tag him. That's a, I, I like that spot. I wish some, I wish they'd do that again today, because that's that's a good way to get some, <laughs> some. Yeah, can't you imagine New Day one of like the dude out there with the trombone? Just when somebody gets knocked out, he jumps up there in the opposite corner, and be like, "Hey, tag me, tag me!" Oh, psych, I'm out. We need to tweet that to uh, to what's his name. I actually kind of like that. I actually kind of like that that whole deal. No, I did too. No, that's what I'm saying. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah, that'd be right up their alley. But okay. (laughs) Orndorff keeps clowning him. Um, Batten and Orndorff they kind of hit head on, and Batten Brian Lee comes out. Armageddon. We have Armageddon. Oh, everything's blowing up. Things are flying. People's catching on fire. Inanimate objects are dying. <clears throat> Brian Lee comes in for some reason because he just wants to stick his nose into this match. And uh, Lee, he gets the hot tag, and then he, it, why? He starts the he like hits Orndorff or the Dirty White Boy, and then he starts doing that stomping hulking up thing that he does where he's grabbing the ropes like an idiot i mean i wouldn't normally say that was like an idiot because i know that he's trying to rile the crowd up but 
that ain't the that ain't the appropriate time to be walking up. <laughs> no, that's when you go. I mean, you punch one, you turn, you punch the other, you punch the other, the other one gets back up, and you punch him, and they roll out of the ring, and then you fire it up. You don't punch one, then grab the ropes and shake them. And, do your half-assed ultimate warrior spot. I, the... I thought he was fixing to do a Confederate kick there for a second. I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Oh, so they doubled Orndorff uh, and Dirty White Boy double team Brian Lee. Boy, Dirty White Boy throws the other batten over the top rope to get disqualified. And uh, Danny Davis, Robert Gibson come out and make the save. And that was a... That is what it is. I mean, we finally get to see the Dirty White Boy and Paul Orndorff in a tag team. And it was a, it was a good match. The, they, they played it upright. The, the, the one batten definitely done his job and, and worked well with what he's doing. Brian Lee ruined it. The main event, which I don't – how – well – I'm not sure how this is the main event. It, it's Gary Scott and Rick Cannon against the Heavenly Bodies. And Cornetic finally explains why Stan Lane's wearing headgear. He says that he's got a ruptured eardrum. And uh, as we all know, it's actually to keep that, uh, that Davy Crockett coonskin rug on. And uh, Stan, Lord God. I mean, we're looking back on it now. His hair was thinning a little bit, but he wasn't bald. He wasn't going bald, so I thought he looked just fine. He looked weird with that big rug gash thing. I mean, and when you're a wrestler and you have a weave in, that's just not a good idea. Uh, Rod Price wore one in Dallas, and I was it Chris Adams that slung him by his rug, and it ripped his rug off of his head, and he was just bled all over the place. Oh, God. I mean, you don't wear a rug in wrestling. It just gets dirty, too. I, mean, yeah. I can't imagine. Well, I mean, not unless you're going to, not unless it's going to be like part of the gimmick, you know. Like yeah. You're so you're so vain about it. Somebody pulls the rug off the top of your head, you go to cover it and get the hell beat out of you or something, you know. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like people can't see that Stan Lane was, you know, his, he had thinning hair and all of a sudden he's, he's overflowing like Fabio. I mean, that's just almost as shocking as, being a NASCAR fan in the mid nineties and Ned Jarrett being bald. And then the next year I'm having a full head of hair. <laughs> Luxurious. And everybody's like, what? Anyway. Uh, so the, <laughs> the 45 seconds, this match lasts and the, the bodies win. And I don't think the finish, I'm not sure exactly what happened. If, if Tom Pritchard was supposed to be closer to the ropes when he pulls him up for a suplex. Cause I think that the uh, the the move should have been Pritchard puts him up for a suplex and Lane springboard clotheslines into the ring and then helps him on over. But Pritchard was too close to the middle of the ring, so Lane like just hops over the top rope and then runs and clotheslines the guy as Pritchard has him up in a suplex. So um, that was interesting. That's yeah, it was, it was just a little bit off. Like I say, he, you could tell he was done, you know, poised to do the springboard, it looked like. But yeah. that's one of them things, though. I mean, now, I mean they, were a, they were a new tag team, relatively, so they were still trying to learn. It's not like Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton. I mean, Jesus. The Cornette said that that was like watching uh, 
flight control when when he had when he had the Midnight Express with Lane and Eaton. They just they could just go all over the place without talking, basically, because they got so good at it. And to their credit, the Stan Lane and Tom Pritchard do get better. So the Fantastics, of course, come in and and uh, hit. They run, then they run them off. Cornette floors one of the jobbers with the racket on the floor. I don't know what that was about. He was in a. <laughs> he must have been in a foul mood this taping because he was sure laying some shots into people. Uh, yeah, and he wasn't pulling back either. I mean, no, you could, they were you could live hear rounds. it over top of everything. Yeah, they they were definitely live rounds. So. Pew, pew. He exploded all over the place. Jesus, I would say. Okay. <laughs> so that's uh, that basically ends this uh, taping, and then we'll have the summer blast up next and the next set of tapings. And I've got to try to procure the summer blast to see if we've got a video of that. I'm not sure if that was on video. But if it was, we'll, we'll review it, by God. I'll, I'll find it. So I forgot to put the awards in our notes, so we'll try to do this... Uh, on the fly, uh, match of the week, guys. Uh, would it? I mean, it pretty much has to be the Battens against uh, Dirty White Boy and Paul Orndorff. Yes. Yeah, there wasn't really much else to. Yeah. I mean, it was either Not, that or Joe Kazana against Dixie Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, this this wasn't a good week for actual matches. I mean, the storylines got moved up, but the actual matches, yeah this this wasn't a good uh, episode. <laughs> Okay, so we have. I'd rather not rather not have a golden shower on me. So that's uh, all. So the um, soundbite of the week, we've already definitely went over it. Uh, that was Bob Cottle talking about what's in the case may be harder. Bless heart. Poor Bob. Um, the interview of the week was the was the insane interview with. Uh, the, the Dirty White Boy and Buddy Landell, the local promo. Uh, it's either that or Cornette on the first episode talking about the the Fantastics and the killing thing. I, I don't know. I got to go with Dirty White Boy and, and Landell because, my yeah. God, that was over the top. Yeah. That was – Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, so we'll I go with that. I agree with you, Andy. Cornette Thank had you. it up to that point, and then it was – is over with. All right. Man, to be beyond something more than Coke. Uh, fashion statement of the week. That would Sailor been... Moon. <clears throat> what was it? Sailor Moon. <laughs> uh, the tots from the uh, guy, the the jobber tots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely fashion statement of the week. We'll put that picture up. Um. What's our other awards? Uh, fan of the week. It's it's a little girl. I th- well, I don't know if I'll pick on the little girl or not. It may be the little girl. Uh, about what about Granny getting getting the awards? That, yeah, that, that'll work. You gotta yeah, give it to Bouncing Booby Beulah. I mean, Bouncing Beulah, fan of the week. Yeah, I mean, my God, she's been to what did they say? She had been to all these countries and uh, slept with men on every continent in America. She, she had been to 17 rodeos, three county fairs, and two goat screwings. <laughs> and that and never seen wrestling like Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yeah. The way it used to be. <laughs> and the way we like it. 
<laughs> and we're going to explode all over you. I wish you'd have just said that. Oh, I love wrestling where we're just going to explode all over you. Oh, bless your hearts, and we're going to have pot pie after this. All right. So, um, was that all of our awards? It seems like we're missing one. Maybe that was it. That's what happens when you forget to put the awards in for the post show. Well, if I'm forgetting uh, one, the hell with it. When you have more than one Brian Lee match in a show, yeah, it, kind of, it just kind of wipes out your brain. It just overdoes it, fries it. I will give a finisher of the week to Paul. We don't usually do that, but the Paul Orndorff thing, that was awesome. The the high back drop, I'm going to pull you down by your hair on the way back down. <laughs> And I was thinking about it. I know exactly. Uh, you remember what X-Pac used to do when, uh, what was it he called that? The anyway. The X-Pac. Yeah, like a reverse, like yeah. reverse bit. Do the pack flip, turn around, jump up, grab him, and then land with him. Oh, that yeah. would have been a dated version of it. If I could, if I would have saw Paul Orndorff do a backflip, that would have been awesome. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm pretty sure that I have saw Paul Orndorff and. Jim Cornette's lost mid-Atlantic tapes do a, uh, he flips over a guy, like, on his feet, like, does a full flip and then catches him in a neck breaker or something. And when I'm watching old tapes from 1976 or 77, and it's mostly just guys beating the absolute shit out of each other, and you see something like that from a young Paul Orndorff, I remember that. I've got to find it. But that, that, that made me pay, I was like, holy crap. I can't believe he did that. So Paul Orndorff in 1978 could have definitely, he could have pulled it off probably. We got faith in him. Maybe not so much in 1992, but definitely in 1978. Okay. So we are now 24 episodes into this Smoky Mountain deal. Justin Edgel, what did you think of this three set taping? It's always been fun. Um, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to what's you know. Point for I don't know. Summer block. We got summer blast coming up next. So good lord, yeah, he's well, already taking shots for Brian yeah, Lee. He's taking he's shots taking for Brian Lee. Yeah, fucking. Uh, Andy Waddell, we're coming up on summer blast, and then uh, the next set of tapings. Uh, what do you? What do you? I mean, oh, I did want to like bring this up before we get off of the, the air tonight. It seems to me not only is Brian Lee being downplayed a little bit by being put into the tag team, and that probably will be the main event at Summer Blast, but I swear to God, it seems to me like the Fantastics and the Bodies, and even to a degree, Horner and Landell are almost bigger angles than than uh, Brian Lee and Garvin against the Dirty White Boy and Orndorff. It, I, I, especially the, the Fantastics and the... Uh, the bodies. Definitely. I mean, that brawl, I mean, I know we've cracked on the Fantastics all year because of Jackie, but, you know, that they brawl could, right yeah, there, that, that was great tag team just fighting. It, it, that that brought it to a whole nother level and makes you want to see the street fight. It, it, that saved it right there for me. Yeah, yeah. So we got that coming up uh, on Summer Blast. Hopefully we've got the tape of that. If not, then... We will just press on with the uh, next. We will do like my wife and fake it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) for for after that, I guess we are uh, we're we're going to be done for the evening. (laughs) 
so yes, listen to us on the place to be nation. Um, we upload all of our shows to soundcloud.com. We're on the pro wrestling only boards. So check us out there. Uh, anything you want to leave us with tonight, Andy? Besides, no, I think yeah. I pretty well left us with everything right there. Yeah. Uh, Justin, uh, are you still, uh, conscious? No. All right. So we will, we will move. We will try to make sure that Justin hasn't died of toxic shock poisoning. And we'll be back next in the next week or two with another episode of Fire in the Mountains.